Welcome to part two of our chat with Tim Spencer, friend of Footy Fellas and coach at Deportivo Guadalajara in Spain. In part one, we talked about Tim becoming a coach at a first team side for the first time in his career, being a player's coach, finding his niche among the coaching staff with player development, and also just developing relationships with the players, how that changed him, how that changed the players, and ultimately what role that played in their club getting promoted and winning the championship this year, which was all super exciting. So definitely listen to part one if you haven't yet. However, you're in the right place because we got a lot more great stuff to talk about here. Transformational moments in our soccer careers, implementing new habits, what his coaching trajectory looks like five years from now, and also finding a more meditative way to live life. So stick around, a lot more awesome conversation to come. We should talk for a sec about um, transformational moments in our soccer careers, because we were talking about this before really quick, and you just brought up a great example. So before we get too far, Jones, I'm curious, in your soccer footy experience growing up, can you think of specific moments that forged a particular path for you? Uh, I was literally thinking of this moments ago when you were talking about talking about um, I, I just think the impact the, of what a coach can can say mm-hmm. or do and the presence they have in another and just like in the players' lives. Totally. And uh, and of course, you know, I feel like the coaches I remember are ones that have just been such a big impact and, and were supportive, but. Uh, one moment in particular I think of is I think it's around eighth grade or freshman year, and um, I had just I had just gone through like a year and a half of like some of the best footy in my life. Um, made the state team, regional team, national team. I'm I'm playing for the fire. I'm I'm killing it, and I'm feeling myself. Yeah. And we had a coach who came to join our team. We had just won state. I think that was the first time. And he, uh, Larry Sunderland, and he was uh, he was kind of a revered coach in the organization, and he was going to be taking over our team. He was going to be co-coaching it with us with the other current coach we'd had for like the past two years, um, and it almost felt like a sign of validation for our team that our team was really good. Like we had this guy now who seems to like fluidly go wherever he kind of pleases, um, and and so he joins the team and he pulls me aside after one of our trainings. It's indoor. It's in like Schaumburg. Doesn't mean anything to guys here but he he he's talking to me he's like max i think you're a really good player like a really really good player you know sky's the limit the thing that we need to work with you is we need to make you more of a blue collar player we need to i need to get you to get stuck in on some tackles get in there do the dirty work because you can do all the other stuff and that is a concept kind of just stuck in my head it's like i feel like that's apropos but like i don't know how to do that sounds great let's do it Two weeks later, he got promoted to head of development for the entire Chicago youth soccer, fire Chicago youth team stuff. And so he was then way off with the academy and whatever. And it just kind of felt like, whoa, this guy dropped this thing on me that felt like I could really learn from this and grow from it and improve. And then suddenly that plan slash direction evaporated Mm -hmm. and I had nothing. And I was fine. I played 
well, but that was a moment in particular that always stuck in my head because it was, uh, well, what if he had stayed? What if I had had that figure to kind of figure that, that out with me? Would my game have dramatically changed? Would it have changed the trajectory of where I went? I don't have any regrets. I'm very happy with how my yeah. life has turned out. But that was a moment that I do think about often and just the, um, for neither positive nor negative you know, sentiment, but rather the impact yeah. that uh, having that, that presence can be in your life. Um, and, and who knows? It's a really good example. I think, um, I mean, that as a concept in itself is so popular in, in football, among, in youth and professional, of the technical player who also needs to do the dirty work, you know, and that has to be like a learned trait. I think there, there's like a, there could be a whole podcast on that. We, we, had, a, we had a match this year against Torrijos, like a renowned 4-4-2 direct second ball set piece team, really difficult. And we dropped two of our starting midfielders in favor of more hard-nosed players. And at halftime, we subbed back in those two midfielders and like recaptured the game because, I, I, look, at least for me, it's like the best players need to play. And the best players in the best moments will find a way to also be physical because they're competitive and they want to win, but you need you need technique, you know? And that that's more on like the, the blue-collar thing. But generally speaking, yeah, like feeling as though you have support not just in you're good or even someone coming in and criticizing you, but being like, together, we will find this objective. I think it's really important because I think for development, players need to feel a sense of autonomy and ownership, but not all of it on their own. I have to get myself to this place, but how I'm 15, how I'm 16, you know? Um, I was always told as a young player, like, you're great, you have all of these things, but you're just not fit enough. You're just not fit enough. Okay how do I get more fit? You know, helping to provide some solutions for me. Yes, pose questions, see if I can get there on my own, but if I'm not, help me, help me along the way as well, you know? Yeah. What about, what about you, Eli? What, uh, what do you feel like uh, to find the Lichman sitting in front of me now? I had great, I had an awesome high school coach who we've, ch- we've chatted with on this podcast and Zenio, who cared about a lot of the stuff you talked about today, Tim, about the mindfulness and preparation. And we did meditation and we did a lot of stuff that especially at this, the smaller private high school I went to, the coach before him was like the science teacher yeah, yeah, yeah. of the varsity team. Yeah. And so it made a huge difference to have someone come in who he, I think we might've talked about this too on his, on his episode, like he was really young at the time, but he had beliefs in him from his days as a player, who he wanted to be as a coach, some of the stuff you're talking about. He was a player's coach, and he loved just having individual chats and talking to you about your game and even more so where you're at mentally. For sure. And he created a culture for the team on top of that of a brotherhood and FIFA Fridays and big dinners before games, stuff that small private high school soccer we could have done without, but we wouldn't have both achieved the same level of success. And I can pretty confidently speak for every player wouldn't have gotten as much from it, just like the take with us in life and bring to either soccer or for most people not soccer but just other endeavors in life and, and relationships and groups and leadership and all that stuff i think that's why we play man like I, when you're in specific moments you might feel like no i'm playing so i can go play in college i'm playing because i want people to think this of me like those are isolated external motivations that do come into play here and there but at the end of the day like you you play for enjoyment and a, uh, a sense of social bonding you know, you, you play to be a part of something bigger than yourself, but still have a sense of identity within that. 
And that's something that can really be hindered or helped by those who are in charge of setting up and fostering that, that culture, as it were. And I think we see all across professional sports, you know, culture is the setter of success, you know, and whether that's us, for example, as a team having every single day having lunch after training and watching these professional players sit until 3 p.m. joking around, having an extra coffee because they just want to be around each other. It makes a difference versus the teams that you finish training and everyone goes their separate ways. Right? We don't think of that as the deciding factor. We never do. We prioritize other things. We like to say after a team loses, and in any sport, they didn't want it bad enough. They were not competitive enough. They don't care. We like to generalize. These are human beings that we're talking about. Right? Everyone wants to win. Everyone has a certain level of talent and ability to get there in the first place. But once you're really there, how do we treat each other? How do we operate as a group? What are our group values, right? Are we on different pages in terms of, I'm gonna show up at this time, you're gonna show up at that time. I'm gonna be very prepared, but you're not gonna do any gym work, right? All being on the same page in who we are, who we want to be. If you have clarity in that, a lot of things take care of themselves. Obviously, you need good tactics. You need good coaches. You need a good plan. You need good players. That's the base of everything. But if you have those things and a bad culture, nothing is guaranteed. But if you have those things and a solid foundation, like I don't think there's ever reason for doubt. I really don't. It's actually something you said last time we spoke, and this isn't to, to boost your ego, but something that stuck with me is you told the story of some player on the the team which won't be mentioned your your older team who <laughs> i know there's a lot of political beef and you've gotten you know we, you don't even speak of them again that's okay um you mentioned a story where where some player hit a hit an absolute rocket from like 30 yards out in the game or yeah. something like that upper upper 90 beautiful yeah. strike and you your reaction was pretty controlled like yeah. you didn't go crazy everyone you know everyone yeah. else is freaking out on the sidelines but you just kind of controlled reaction and it was because you expected this from them. Mm-hmm. You knew they were capable of it. Yeah. You'd, you'd seen them do it in practice. That's why you practice. That's why you do it. And I thought about that a lot and talked with it, talked with colleagues as I start to manage people at work and think about like what is the right balance of praise and excitement and reaction to stuff that someone else is doing well versus you know they're capable of it. You expect them to do that. And kind of how should you, what should you bring to the table as a, Mm-hmm. reactionary supportive force like what's the right balance between the two and that's that's kind of stuck with me for sure and that's such a crucial question in all management and all walks of life where um the first and foremost response to that is it's completely dependent on the individuals you're working with the, the reaction you give to one uh employee player will not only be different for a different player employee but will be different for that same person in a different context based off how they're feeling that week the nature of the game the job the role that they're they're fulfilling That being said, what I would think is something that is foundational to the feedback and reactions you give to people in moments of success or failure is a sense of objectivity in that you deal with things with a tone of voice that is matter of fact, for example, right? A lot of coaching and communication is based on tone of voice. And so what I mean by that is when I have meetings with this, fe- I think he's a phenom. I think he's just the most incredible player I've ever seen in my life. Um, River, the the central midfielder from our team. He was in the Real Madrid Academy for like eight years. He trained with the first team at Real Madrid. Then by the age of 19, 20, he finds himself in the third division with us. For me, it's an absolute 
honor to work with him. Big listener too. Big footy fellas listener. Yeah. He, he writes doesn't, in a lot. Doesn't speak, he, doesn't no. speak, he doesn't speak a word of English. But he writes um, in a lot. He all all a he lot. can say to me is bro. Um, <laughs> but when we meet and I show him his footage, and look, all the coaches have a different perspective with him, which I think is very helpful and very healthy. You know, the assistant coach gets on him. You know, is very hard on him because he wants to get the most out of him and that's how he thinks he's going to do it. And I respect that. We don't all need to be the same, right? My The way I work with someone like that is when he has good moments, I fucking celebrate it. But not like a cheerleader. I celebrate like we sit and I'm like, you see this? This is just who you are. This, this is what I expect from you. This is fantastic. You are a killer. You're a dominating force. Go out and dominate. Simple. Be yourself. Do your thing. But not in a way that's like I'm a fan, like I'm a fan of yours, but I'm not communicating it through my tone and my nonverbal body language in a way that's like, whatever you want to do, do it. It's like no, no, no. When the time comes for me to criticize you, I'll criticize you. But right now, I don't have a reason to, so I won't. You know. And then when it is time to give a different style of feedback, it's keeping the always the same tone, whether it's something fantastic, whether it's something pretty shitty. It's just always giving the same. It's just always being the same like foundational human being in which they can look at you and go, whether it's good or bad, you're being you. You're consistent in who you are, and I can trust that. You know, And I think whether it's an employee or a player um, at the higher levels of, of management, it's really dangerous to come in and tell someone to change something. You know, It's really dangerous to come in and be like, hey, even though you're doing all these things great, you need to change this or fix this. I think that's really dangerous because it can really be a, like a, a, a moment of distrust or yeah, he thinks this is great, but what do you mean change, right? And so you have to be really careful about implementing new behaviors and habits with people in a way that allows them to feel safe and trusted and comfortable and know that it's not something you have to change, it's something to think about for improvement, right? But you're doing all these other, other things, other things great, but I, I still don't celebrate much when we score. But that's more of kind of like understanding how fickle football is and how a goal in one moment is obviously great. And I love seeing everyone celebrate. It's so joyful. But I'll wait till the final whistle. It's your Mamba mentality. <laughs> it's like, hey, game's not over. Right. Game's yeah. not over. Yeah. Uh, but there were some beautiful moments this year, like when the striker I brought up earlier, when he finally broke his drought. Um I almost cried like in the stands just out of joy for him um, knowing what it meant to him seeing his reaction and the happiness he felt in that moment because for me I'm like you're great like you're gonna be fine either way but it's you realizing that now right I can only do so much in helping you get wherever you want to go it's at the end of the day it is up to you uh, and so like for example when he scored uh, I was very emotional and, and that day the two guys I meditate privately with they each scored as well. And so that day, for example, I didn't celebrate the goals in terms of jumping and screaming, but even just sitting and kind of trying to be in the flow of observing the game, I was uh, very emotional. I moved around clubs, you know, like I graduated college, I was in London for a year, then in Portland for a summer, then I went to Spain, I was with Alcorcón, then I was with Leganes, now with Guadalajara. The fact that I'm gonna be going back to Guadalajara and working with the same staff and a lot of the same players, that's something I've never had before, that type of stability. And so I'm looking forward to improving in the role for next season, but beyond that, I really don't know. Like, I love running training sessions. Oh my God, the emotion, the drama, the drive that comes with being responsible for the performance of the entire team, it's, it's full body. It's like, there's nothing else like in the world. 
But this season, I was allowed to adapt my personality, who I was as a person. Because like when you're in charge of everything, you're a very specific type of person, a type of version of yourself to get that out of you every day. When you're the mindfulness and individual coach that doesn't necessarily need to speak every training session, that can be cool and calculated and is like supposed to be at least the example of tranquility. My life's a lot calmer. You know, I have more time in my free time to live a more holistic lifestyle. And so I don't know what I want moving forward. I'm happy to be in this world, but like so much has changed in the last year uh, in terms of my mentality as a person while keeping my same coaching beliefs and, and whatnot. But I would really like to just like win again next year and, and have players be happy again next year. When I see players happy and when we get results on Saturday and Sunday, I really don't think too much more about anything in life. It's as short term as it gets. We won the game. Like, let's have a great day. Let's it's, enjoy it. No, nah, and then it's, we have training the next day, you know? Yeah, it's you're like, back at it. it's, a, it's six days a week, honestly, seven. Um, it's, a, it's a complete lifestyle. Like, the work life balance, that's its own thing. That is very tricky for me. Um, working with such unbelievable professionals, regardless of the other coaches, it's like, do I have time to go out on a Friday night or do these other things? Like, yeah, I have time. Am I going to do it? No. Why? Because no one else is. Everyone's working. Hmm. Everyone's preparing. When you do extra work and you win the league as players and coaches, what am I going to do? Do less work? Yeah. I'm going to do the same, if not more. Right. Because I want success. And what I will say just in regards to like the, the collective success of, of the season is like, I don't think I'm nearly as competitive as a human being as those around me. Like the players, oh my God. I sometimes get thrown into the training sessions when we don't have enough numbers. Oh my God, dude. Like, it's <laughs> fucking brutal. Like, these guys are killers. Like, it doesn't matter the exercise. Like, I've never seen, like, all the things you hear about professionals, they're the most competitive. They want to win every exercise. It's fucking true. Like, it's mind-blowing to me. I'm not that type of person. The coaches as well are so competitive. Their drive to be successful and to win is is so high that being surrounded by that, um, it's really interesting, man. Like it's it's a game changer because I'm not that type of person. Like I want to win as well, but I'm not consumed by it in the way that I'm consumed by like growth, which I think then leads to winning. But when you're surrounded by people like that, I mean, it pushes you, man. It really pushes you to just always do more. And so it's, it's cool, but it's also like, it's nice to be on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> can finally breathe, finally relax yeah. for a second. Five years from now. Yeah. Not that you need to have anything settled. For sure. I'm really, I'm genuinely a man-to-man, very excited and um, uh, I think encouraged, inspired is, is a great word to think about it, that you are you're you're essentially exploring this path right now. Yeah. And you're forging it and creating it and from it, it sounds like as much as you are gaining experience and, and teaching others, you yourself are learning. Totally. In five years from now, do you have general aspirations for what you would like to be doing or be feeling about what you're doing? Five years from now, I'll be 30. I, um, we had a weekend off the week before the game in which we won the title. I was just like all this pent-up energy. I, would, like, I took like a week of silence post-work. Like I would just go for walks, like no phone. Like I, I didn't want to talk to anyone. I was like... Just prepare for, like, all that matters is this upcoming moment. I want to be in it. I want to be in it. It was wild. Um, Before that, I went to Granada for a long weekend. I saw an old professor of mine from my master's in football coaching, and we met, and he made a point to me of, like, listen, you'll you'll arrive, you know, arrive as, like, a head coach somewhere. The question not is, will you arrive? The question is, when do you want to arrive? 
do you want to arrive as the head coach of X, Y, and Z at 30, 35, 40, 50, 60? This is a whole life gig, you know? If you would ask me that question like any other year in the last five, six years, you've been like, what's my goal? Head coach of Arsenal Football Club as soon as possible. Now, what's my goal for five years? Like aspirations, it's more like, how do I want to feel about what I'm doing? I want to love what I do. I think what we all do. I want to feel a sense of purpose. Um, I want to feel like I'm giving back and, and I'm helping. But football's a lot in terms of the commitment. And so I love it. And as of now, like I'm happy to, to continue. But I also want to be aware of my limitations and know that there is more to life than football. Funny enough, Football is often reflected, life is often reflected through football and most of life is encompassed within football, but there are things that you miss when your life is football. And so in five years, like I want to be happy helping people and like feel as though I have a life, you know, holistically feel as though I have different things going on. If at 30, I'm the head coach of a division three team in America, division one team in America, an MLS youth academy team. I'm a director of coaching so I, I really don't know there's so many things I could do I just want to feel open to any of those possibilities where the last four or five years prior to finally arriving to this point it was no I have to get here I have to get to this thing by this age I have to have this this and this it was very calculated and I think without that structure and mentality I wouldn't have been able to get into this world and work with these fantastic people now that I'm here I can I, I can breathe in knowing like, okay, I got here, we'll see what happens. But I can't breathe in terms of letting up on the work, you know, you, you have to continue. But um, I don't really know. I'm, I feel like it's healthy that I don't really know. I don't want to really know. Um, so that's part of coming to Chicago, like on vacation, like going out in New York City, like seeing the life that I chose not to have, you know, and seeing how it is just going out with friends and having fun and not watching or thinking about football for like a month, see how it makes me feel. I think I'll go back to preseason and just have the biggest smile on my face. So, yeah. Could have been doing this. Could have started Footy Fellas, been in Chicago. Burrito Boys. Burrito, burrito Boys. boys. Yeah. Exactly. I got to bring the breakfast burrito back to Spain, you know? That's a long trip. You think it would it survive? The <laughs> I meant more so the concept. I felt, I thought more so the concept. I like the concept. I no. think you they need, need the empirical burrito. evidence. Yeah, no. You needed to clarify. It. Regardless, you needed to clarify if you're talking physical burrito <laughs> or the idea of the burrito. Right? Yeah. Gotta get through TSA with that first. Because they're like, whoa, that's a bomb ass burrito. They're like, what did you Oh my god. I don't know about that one. They hit you with the super condescending sir. Yeah. Know? It's yeah, like yeah. I will call you sir because it's a term of like respect, but I'll right. say it in a way that uh -huh. makes you feel so not respected. Uh -huh. Like yeah. I'll start with a sir and end with a sir. Yeah. I'll punctuate <laughs> a little upside down question mark at the beginning. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I thought the um the the concept of not having an idea what you want to be doing in five years, but rather feeling and why I asked that that way. Yeah. Is because I do feel like regardless of industry whatever you're doing so much uh, you have an idea of what you want to do and you're, you're you're putting yourself in that direction you want to go for it and i imagine the sean mcveys of the world i imagine all the young coaches yeah. got there because they were single mindset they wanted to do that and they did it over and over and over um i question if he's human because how often on his path did he take his pulse and say oh this is really what i want to be doing because I imagine the same feeling for that role or whatever thing you have perceived that you want 
must evolve over time. And maybe, maybe it legitimately becomes even more um, substantial and like it, you double down the more you kind of dive into it, you know you really want that passion. But I imagine over time you start to see different things. You just see more yeah. opportunities. And from that, you see maybe paths that are less resistant yeah. or you see paths that are more difficult, but you know also more exciting. And you see all these different options. And it's really encouraging. I just feel like hearing you talk about this, mm-hmm. um, thinking to myself, oh, yeah, you know, now that you've broken into, I'll yeah. say quote unquote broken yeah, into, for but, sure. but you have worked into it, um, you're in a place where you can step back and say, oh, cool. Like that isn't the only option. For sure. For and, sure. And who knows, you going in a different direction doesn't mean you won't still end up in the same place you were going for. It's funny to circle all the way back to the first thing we spoke about uh, in regards to breakfast burritos. Uh, it's contextual. What do I mean by that? We're having this discussion. I'm two weeks into a two-month vacation. If we had spoken two weeks before we had won the title a few days after, I would have been like, yeah, this is my life. And I'm going to keep living it. Then nothing else exists. In, in part of like having moments that reinforce like, yeah, this is what I want to do. You know, but now I'm in a moment where I have the time to look elsewhere. And so I, I feel a little differently. Um, but like, like the, these players, for example, like they didn't go to college. Like their life is football every single day and they're great people. I love working with them. But like I'm, we're all different. Like I went to Skidmore College. Like I went to a, a liberal arts school in like Saratoga Springs, you know, like I'm, from a really small little village in like outside of New York City, like two immigrant parents, you know, like I like there are things that I want within football, but I don't know, it's difficult. Like I think the the essence of like just feeling motivated and driven every day to to do what you do, I think that's a more important thing, but. I don't know, like, in regards to, like, the young coaches in the world, like, I do think they have that, as as we would say, like, the mama mentality, you know? And, like, I think that that is an important thing to have, like, that drive, that focus. But I also think that can be exhausting at times and uh, maybe not the most sustainable thing, like, in terms of your, your long-term mental health. But, again, it's contextual. Like, if we're, if you guys reach out to me after we've won our first three games of next season, I'll probably be back in the mindset of, like, yeah, this is the only thing that exists. You know, that's kind of how it goes. Like when the stakes are high and the, the perks are big and the world of sports has a draw, man. Like it, ha- it just has a draw on like it's competition, you know, it's like really, it's really emotional. It's like, like I was saying before, like you're connected to this larger thing, not even just the players, like the community. Like we, I was out to like 6 a.m. partying with fans. And they know, they're like, that's the... Definitely not. Uh, no. There's the analytics <laughs> guy. He's no, the player performance coach. There's like two fans of the super fans that noticed how awkward and quiet I was and were like, hey man, like, congrats, good stuff. I'm like, hey, thanks. <laughs> but it's the, like those types of moments though are like, if I'm ever doubting this field, not that I doubt it, but if I'm ever like, ooh, maybe there's else out there. It's those types of moments where you're drunk with a fan at like 3 a.m. where it's like, ooh. I'm only get, just getting started. Like there, there's a lot more here. Um, there's a lot more here to be done. So, but it's life. I feel like it's tough to also ask you to make a decision where you want to be in five years in in a job like that. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. I was gonna say role, 
um, which is which is kind of what it feels like because I imagine there's so much passion. It's hard to just call it a job. Yeah. But when you're in that role, I know if I'm on a team, if I'm the head coach, yeah. if I'm the owner, if I'm anyone in the front office, whatever, I want I want guys on that team who aren't who are like yeah like this is we well, are trying to five no, years will be in yeah, well, and, and what I and, and what I wanted and, and yeah and what I want to say earlier it kind of it kind of slipped my mind is like look I'm I'm an individual within a technical staff right. But I'm like, I'm not the I'm I'm not the guy, you know. Like I'm not the head coach who brought these people in. Like I'm a part of the group. Like I have my value, the things that I provide. But without me, the group can still function, right? I'm an added piece, right? I, I help. The head coach, right? He, from day one of preseason, till us in the club 6 a.m. celebrating the the title victory he's whispering in my ear he's bringing the coach around basically being like from day one to the last day whether it was a win or a loss a good day bad day what is he saying to us this is it we're set for life give me the next eight years of your life we'll be in the champions league i'm telling you give give me three four years we'll be in the first division give me seven eight years we'll be in the champions league and then we'll all go take a year off and then all the offers will be coming us eat shit right now take a bad salary do this it doesn't matter Give me five, six years. We're going to be making millions. We're going to beat everybody. Everybody. Arsenal has a bad game. What does he say to me? I'm telling you, we could beat Arteta right now. We could beat Arteta right now. And he, he watches Liverpool City. He goes, yeah, yeah, they're great. I love Klopp. I love Guardiola. Give us the same team. We compete. Inherent, unwavering belief in himself and his group, in his, in his staff. And the other coaches that I work with, they're very much like, yeah, this is it. I think that's why I'm able now to sit into question because I know finally like, ooh, if I keep doing good work and we keep doing good work, there is that long-term stability. There is that clear path of like how we're gonna get there. I think naturally, because I'm more used to instability, my default reaction is like, okay, okay, okay. But what if I didn't do that? Just for the sake of feeling freedom and, and myself to question and think maybe I could go a different way. But in reality, like there is the platform there for us to push forward together if we can continue to be successful and innovate and learn and grow. and so. I think that is uh, is a special thing, you know. For this guy Gonzalo Onega, he's uh, recently turned 36, 37. Like he's like, this is the staff we're set we're set for life, you know. And so, if I want to, I think this is the path. Maybe at a certain point, I want my own team, or I don't know. But yeah, do you think that's the same that message from the head coach for every great coaching tree you hear about the Greg Popoviches mm-hmm. of the world, the like Tomlins, guys, yeah. guys that have people in general that have been head coaches yeah. for a long time, especially in like uh, women's college game. Yeah, you yeah. know, Tennessee, some of these schools that have been around and, and on top forever, and their assistant coaches go on to do great things. Are they all hearing that same message? Would you expect that the same conversation is coming from the head coach to instill that belief? I think the the same conversation would be coming from the head coach if it's an elite head coach and an elite human being. But if they're not, then no. The reality is most head coaches are not elite. Most coaches are not thoughtful, holistic human beings trying to help individuals grow while finding success collectively. They're not. And that's okay, you know? That's okay, why? Because a lot of coaches are also like the earth science teacher in sixth grade and the school needs a coach so that they go and they do it to help out. A lot of coaches are for youth sports are parents because there isn't a coach, and you know? But at the highest level, the difference is coaches who do have the long-term vision and do have the plan. 
where like I'm 25 living in a foreign country like I don't have a fucking plan like I don't know that many people there you know I'm grateful for getting to be a part of someone else's journey help them grow and grow through that and then as you give the example like see how the tree manifests you know where like that's very common in American sports you go be an assistant for a long time then boom you get your own coaching job I don't know how that translates in Spain for example but I think for the best coaches they're able to pinpoint people you know like when this guy brought me in he had never seen me coach a session I had spent a year at Leganes as a head coach he never once asked me what do you work on in training never once didn't want to see a session we spoke about it but he didn't even really need to hear about it it was like I want you to come join me why you've never seen me as a coach he's like because I want you as a human being I want your energy what you bring with your ideas and you're continuing to grow as a coach that for me was like incredible you know it's empowering it's it's like the story you told earlier about coaches speaking to you as a player now as a fellow coach he's instilling that confidence and and Mm -hmm. seeing you in a whole nother light when we finished the season and we all went around like you know it was really emotional i had never been in a a face-to-face like that before like with the physios the other coaches going around and being like give me a, a mantra phrase for like basically like how I was this year, how I'm going to improve in the future. And we all did that for each other, for the head coach as well. And, like, again, like, he spoke to me much less as a coach, more as a human being. But it's kind of like what you, uh, what you brought up earlier in regards to the coach who brought up, like, the nature of being blue-collar. And I was like, yeah, this is great. I'm so valid as a human being. But naturally then I'm like, but what's my value as a coach, Right. Like, I'm very successful here as a human being, but am I providing enough value as an actual coach, right? Mm-hmm. And the discrepancy between the two. And so it is special to be a part of a group that enjoys each other's company or genuinely, like, they care for each other. They want to be around each other. Spend Part of me coming in there is him pinpointing me as, like, this is someone that, like, I would like to sit next to in an office every day for the next decade and just talk football with before most home games unless Manchester City's playing because we want to watch them play like before our match on like the iPad me and him will just play chess against each other it's like our thing you know and we just talk like I could go out onto the pitch with the other assistants and be another voice being like hey get ready let's go but that's my whole thing is like what value is that providing it's just like another voice so that I feel like important or big or whatnot. so I just sit with him and we play chess and we just relax and talk where I'm like this is a value I'm providing. Like, I'm just helping the head coach become in the moment and chilled out before the game, which, like, I can't tell you how many games I went in as a head coach feeling calm, but not as calm as I could have been if I had that person next to me just, like, sitting in silence, watching a match, not feeling the need to be like, hey, but you need to think about this or you need to think about that, you know, not overcomplicating things. So, yeah. The the season was a show. I think episode 10, you'd finally beat him for the first time in chess. You know, you'd been going back and forth, and finally he would just sort of... He talks so much shit as well. (laughs) He's the biggest shit. And he'll shit talk me in front of players. Like, we'll be in the cafeteria, and he'll be like, hey, ask him how our chess game went. And and I'll be like, you're such a dick. Like, you only say that when you beat me. But when I beat you, like, you don't say shit, you know? Which is a competitor way. It shows how competitive he is. Where, like, when he's beating me in chess, he'll win. Like, stand up, clap, give out a big laugh. I would never do that. Like, yeah. are you kidding me? Like, when yeah. I win, I don't say anything. Yeah. And I just sit there and I'm like, you know what I just did, yeah. you know? Right. And so your two styles are coming out through chess. Exactly. And the, the technical director will always come into the dressing room and see us before the game starts. And he'll always shake my hand 
and in Spanish just be like, you're not supposed to beat the boss. <laughs> so whenever I lose, I always say to the, I always say to Gonzalo, like, what am I supposed to do? Beat you before the game? <laughs> I can't take your confidence away yeah. from you. Yeah. Um, I really, I want to get better chess. I do want to beat him every single, every single week next year. I think chess, one thing I, total side note, one thing I learned a lot this year is there's no better example for football than chess. You know, as mm-hmm. I kind of got a little tired at the end of this year after this like five year run of like f- watching football every single day. I got to a point of like, instead of watching football tonight, like I'm just gonna play chess and I'll learn about through, I'll learn about football. You know, they're very, very similar. But that's that's a side note. I want to get better at chess. That'd be a good icebreaker exercise for the coaching team to describe each other as chess pieces. Like, here's what you know. You're you're the Tim. You're the the rook of the team. You're mm-hmm. you know head coach king. Here's how we we work together. Kind yeah. of thing. Never forget the pawns though. They're so important. Yeah. <laughs> so important. Everyone's got a role. Everyone's got a role. Nice. Nice. Yeah. That's great. So what what did it feel like uh, winning the title? I know it's incredible. It was weird, man. Did, was it different than you expected, winning something of that magnitude? I don't know about, like, you guys. Like, I've never won anything in my life in sports. Like, I've won, like, an individual award. Or, like, I've won a match or, like, I never won a trophy. Like, uh, Skidmore, we got to the Liberty League final. We lost against Vassar on, like, a lit- literally a last-second penalty. Like, so to be a part of something, uh, to win... But as a coach, after p- being a player for like 20-odd years, never winning, all of a sudden I'm a coach, we win. It was weird. Like, it, it was cool. It was fun. But I loved the journey a lot more. Like, I, I felt much more involved throughout the process. When we actually won, it was the players thing, you know? Like, you have like 500, 600 fans that like, rush the pitch, and they're going around the players like they're celebrities, which they are in our area, you know? And I kind of just found my way to the back and just observed and was like, this is special, but there's no way I'll understand how special this was until I'm like 30 or 35, you know? Like, I'm, I'm really positive, right, as a person, as a coach. Like, I think we'll get back there next year, the year after, blah, blah, blah. Like, my dad is like, the next day we're on the phone and we're just laughing and he's like, like, you might never experience that again. You know, like, to actually win a league is something that is not common. It's just not. So, uh... It was, I tried to be really appreciative of it in the moment. I, I pre- tried to prepare myself for it really well. But I think in the end, it's just about having fun with it, you know? Like, um, I, I spent most of the season, like, from, like, October till May, for, for personal reasons, whatever. Not that I was, like, big in it anyway, but I was like, you know what? I'm not going to drink for the rest of the season. Like, whether it's, like, just a beer casual, like, ah, I'm, I'm fine, you know? I got so hammered with <laughs> the night we the night we won the league, and um, I'm glad I did. Like it, it was just it was a party. Like it was something to enjoy. Um, as someone that thinks so much about learning, growth, you know, it was a night. It was a week, two weeks to just enjoy, to have fun, to dance, to scream, to lose your voice, like to just go mental. Um, and so, as a, the way I described it to people was, how I was winning the league. It was the best party I've ever been to. Love that. It's beautiful. Except you'd say it's the mejor uh, fiesta in fiesta vida. Mi vida. Yeah. There we go. So you really dumped it down for our, our audience. He's, he's, he knows. He's also a chess master, too. Yeah. Tim, it's been a, an honor. It's been a lot of fun, actually. Just chatting, <laughs> hearing your experience. I know we haven't seen each other in person in a long time, but yeah. even chatting more recently, it's just cool to get you, your you guys perspective. Ask, you guys ask really good questions, and like you're really attentive, and in as listeners as well you know and so i I really appreciate that and it's great to get to talk to you guys in person again and um 
Yeah, I appreciate the time. If you if you need more motivation, if you win the league next year, we'll bring you back. Otherwise, don't even don't even contact yeah. us. Listen, if it's easy to win once, right? They say, but if you can't win twice, then you should yeah you gotta leave. So I, I appreciate that challenge, and I'll be sure in my individual meetings with players to be like, hey guys, you see this podcast, <laughs> Los Footy Fellows? You see this? <laughs> I can't I can't go back unless we have success. So, so don't fuck me here. Okay? This is about me, not you. Yeah. The river, uh, river, just gonna be like, bro, <laughs> yeah, bro, bro. Yeah.